the game. You don't play to just play. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm for you! Can't wait! Good morning and welcome to Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. However it is that you are joining us this morning, whether you are live on Facebook, you are live on YouTube, or you are following us over on Roku TV on Northeast Streaming Sports, it is great to have you here with us this morning. It is great to have you here as part of the morning show. I am Chris and that is Mo. Mo, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, Chris, but um, if I were betting, man, and I was putting money on the games, we took a major hit on our picks. Oh, it was a rough, 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 rough weekend here for the morning crew. Let's jump right into it. Uh, we'll start with the Sunday night football game. The 5-1 Dolphins headed out to the 5-1 Philadelphia Eagles. And, Mo, I do not have an issue saying that last night Philadelphia was the better team. Um, I will tell you this. So, being a Dolphin fan and watching the game, my takeaways, and again, I make no excuses. I open my statement by saying this. Last night, in week seven of the NFL season, the Philadelphia Eagles are a better team than Miami Dolphins. If they face again, which obviously if they do, that would only be in a Super Bowl situation. You know, that's a long time from now, Mo. A lot of things can happen between week seven of the NFL season and potentially week, you know, 19 or 20 of the NFL season. But I will say this because I haven't watched any national news this morning, but I'll, I'll tell you right now what, what the story is going to be. And the story is going to be this. From the Eagles' side, the story is going to be that all, all is well. All is well in Philadelphia. They beat the Dolphins. They beat the top offense in the league. Everything is great. They're 6-1. and one. They're tied with the Chiefs for the best record in the NFL. And everything is correct in Philly world. And the story for the Dolphins is going to be, I told you, they couldn't beat anyone. They lost to the Bills. They lost to the Eagles. And that's just where they are. They can blow out bad teams. They cannot beat great teams. And parts of those narratives are both going to be true, Mo. But here's where the actual truth lies. The Dolphins just didn't make enough plays last night. They had a touchdown called back on a BS holding call. Tyreek Hill dropped a touchdown pass right in the middle of the field where he should have walked into the end zone for a score. They had 12 penalties called against them, accepted against them last night philadelphia had zero that's all i'm going to say about that <laughs> which is crazy flags were flying but they're only flying one way last night mo they played a clean game yeah yep philly played a perfectly perfectly clean game and again you know injuries injuries are part of the game but miami was missing three-fifths of their offensive line they were missing both of their starting cornerbacks in the secondary and it is what it is now, Philly has injuries as well. I'm not going to sit here and say they don't. But if you're a Dolphin fan this morning, it's not the end of the world. Championships are not won in Week 7. There is no such thing as moral victories in sports, Mo. So I'm not saying it's a moral victory. 
We lost. I'm upset about it. But what I am saying is this wasn't the playoffs. I can take moral victories in week seven. I can't take moral victories come playoff time. On top of that, Buffalo lost yesterday. So Miami is still in first place this morning. There's no ground. To not be in first place this morning. So Dolphin fan, take a deep breath. Obviously, you want to win the game. The opportunity was there. On the other side, Mo, let's look at Philly. Great. You won. Again, all the power to you. How do you feel about your offense this morning? Because you still turn the ball over twice. Aside from the heroics on the one play, which was a great play, by the way, that play where Hertz was pushed out to the pocket to the right. Yeah. And he threw the, the absolute rope down the field there to that a Brown. A that was a great play. Uh, Hertz, Hertz making the on-schedule plays, he does it well, and he does it consistently. But again, if, if you're looking at the, the Philadelphia Eagles offense as a whole, and if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and you wake up this morning, and you're saying to yourself, "We're a four, we are 14 points better than the Miami Dolphins." Then you know what? Good for you, because nothing I say, nothing I say, is going to change your mind. If you wake up this morning and you say to yourself, "It feels good to win that game," there was definitely some home cooking going on, which happens sometimes when when you're home, right? And if you wake up this morning and you say, "You know what?" If we were to face Miami again in the Super Bowl, not in Philadelphia, it might be a different result. If that's you this morning, then congratulations. You are a knowledgeable Philadelphia Eagles fan. Because, well, first of all, first of all, and I guess this is where I really, I really want to give Philly credit, Mo. Their run defense is stout. Miami couldn't run the damn football for their lives in the first half of that football game. They, they, they did a little bit in the second half. But in the first half, man, oh, man, uh, I, I don't even know his goddamn name. But they had one linebacker who was basically in the backfield with our running back uh, the first four times we tried to run the damn football. So that run defense is no joke. Um, props to the beat-up Miami line. Sutua was sacked four times. Uh, I discredit the last two because at that point the game was over. Um, but through the flow of the game, you know, that the line did, did yeah, Reddick, Reddick was his name. Thank you, Key. Uh, the, the line did a decent job of protecting Tua. So I, I was happy with that, especially with how beat up the line was. But Philly's defense is, is a legitimate, legitimate defense. And I know they were missing, I know they were missing their safety. So I'm not saying that, you know, fully what uh, Philly was 100% healthy. But. It's just one of those things where when I when I wake up this morning, Mo, as a Dolphin fan, you know, I'm annoyed that I lost because I want to win every game. But I don't look at it in the same way I look at the Buffalo loss. I look at because for whatever reason, Miami can't win in Buffalo. My, it doesn't matter what happens. Miami doesn't win games in Buffalo. So I look at the Eagles loss saying, you know what? They, they can beat they can beat Philly. I fully believe. I'm fully confident they have the ability to beat Philly. I left the Buffalo game, Mo, saying <laughs> Miami can't win a goddamn game in Buffalo. It doesn't matter what happens. region. <laughs> right. doesn't matter what's going on. <laughs> Miami's not going to win a game in Buffalo. So th- those are my takeaways last night, Mo. What, what do you got? My takeaways are before the game, when we were making picks, we talked about who was going to win the battle at the line of scrimmage. 
Not and Miami. I know my and I knew Miami's offensive line was a little dinged up, but mm-hmm. to me that was the game in a nutshell. Philly was the more physical team. Uh when they didn't get to Tua, they did get him off his mark. And I think when Tua's on the move, when he's moving, he's not the same quarterback. Some guys are great on the move. Hurts is sometimes Hurts is better on the move. Tua is not that guy. When he's got to move and he's got to change his launch, his his launch position, he's a completely different quarterback. And I think they just kept him off balance enough. Not to mention because their front four was getting pressure without having to send an extra guy in the second half. Their corners and safeties became a lot more aggressive. They were drop, they were jumping every route because they knew he had to get it out even quicker than he normally would have to get it out. It it changed the complexion of the game. On the other side of the football, when the Dolphins got pressure on Hurts, the difference is Hurts is an athlete, so he could use his legs. He got out of at least three or four sacks that he turned into positive yards multiple times. That that impacted the game in a big way as well. I thought the Dolphins' defense actually were pretty solid all night. They weren't great, but they were solid. But the biggest play was the tip pass. Baker goes for the pick six, right? Huge play. It's 17-17. There's about three or four minutes left in the third. And I thought they've got some momentum. This this brings some energy into the team. And then Philly comes back down, and they score with like 14 seconds left in the third, and that's a gut shot. That's a gut shot, and it changed everything. They they literally just snatched momentum right back. And I, I think after that, Miami was reaching. They were struggling because, like you said, uh, they, they the, the offense just wasn't consistent. And they did a great job, to their credit, of controlling Tyreek Hill. They want to leave mostly everything in front of them, right? Although, I'm with you, there was a pass that he should have caught that would have been a touchdown. but. Things like that happen. But for the most part, I thought if he's going to catch 11 balls and only have 88 yards, then you're going to walk away saying we did our job. We did our job. And, of course, when Mod- when Waddle left for different periods of the-, of the game because of his back in and out, I think that impacted their coverages as well. Philly has a top five defense. No matter what people think, they have a top five defense. And I still think they have one of the two or three best offensive lines in all of football, period. When they need to get a yard or a short yardage situation, they can hand it off to Swift, and they're going to get two or three yards when needed. In a short yardage situation when you're going fourth and one or third and one, the, the tush push or or or, or the, Philly, the Philly push or whatever you want to call it, it's money. And the Philadelphia Eagles, even though I still watch them and don't think they're p- playing their best football, they're a scary football team because they're winning football games, even at not at their very best. They just find a way to win football games, and I think that makes them scary. I am with you in this sense. Week 19, week 20, that could be a completely different game. What I will say to Dolphin fans, you lost a football game to a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. It's that good a team, and it's a team that many expect to be back in the Super Bowl this year so was it a was it a test it was somewhat of a test but football is a game of it literally is a game of inches if you guys don't let them score in the end of the third and you go into the third quarter and it's 17 17 
it changes the game. It changes the complexion, and it changes the way Philly calls their offense, or the, or at least the play calls. That was just such a, a huge momentum swing, them getting that touchdown, that response. You call it a response, right? Hurts throws a pick six, and you think we've got them on their heels. And to his credit, he showed a lot of poise, came right back down, and they score. And they just grab control of the game. And it really did come down to they controlled the line of scrimmage. If you're a Dolphins fan, nobody likes to lose. It's a loss. You take the L. But in many ways, could could Miami play with Philly? If you're 17-17 with Philly late into a third quarter, obviously you can play with them. Can you be as physical as them? That's another question. Mo, for me, uh, the biggest moment of the game came actually after Philly took the 24-17 lead because Miami went back and they pushed the ball right back down the field. And then two receivers, and this was the third or fourth time this happened in the game, and I didn't see Mike McDaniel's uh, post comments after the game, and I don't know if he was asked or if he addressed this, but for whatever reason, there were three or four moments in the game where Dolphin receivers essentially ran the same routes. And you found two Dolphins essentially in the same area as each other. And the first couple times it happened didn't didn't really impact anything. The last time it happened, you had Waddle and Mostert basically in the same spot. And what happened was, even though Mostert was open, Waddle's guy came off of him, undercut the ball, and picked it off. So I don't know if it's a situation where Philly was pushing guys off routes, if the Dolphins were running the wrong routes, whatever the situation was, a Mike McDaniel offense doesn't have receivers in the same spot. Uh, so that happened a handful of times last night. And again, they got away with it the first couple of times. Uh, Tua made a great pass on one of them uh, into double coverage. That wasn't even supposed to be double coverage. Cause again, there was a two receivers that were not supposed to be next to each other. But that that was huge as well. But I digress, Mo. We move on. We live to play another game. It's crazy. It's crazy. It, in it's the a cra- Come on, man. It's a crazy week. If you would have told me, if you would have told me that the Ravens were going to destroy Detroit, I, I would have been like, no way. It would be a great game, and they could win it. But just own them the way they did. Like, I watched that football game. And I, I'm not off the, the, the Lions wagon. I think there's still a good football game. I'm, I'm not off Jared Goff giving him credit for the quarterback. I think he is. But to simplify that game, the Ravens, they kind of beat up Detroit. They punked them. They were more fit. They just, they just did whatever they wanted with them. And to me, I've seen Lamar Jackson throw for 200 yards, get over 150 yards rushing in the same game. I thought yesterday was the best football game I've ever seen him play in terms of being a quarterback, in terms of what he did in the pocket and his reads and how certain he was with his reads and how quick he got the ball out. I've never seen him throw that well, that accurate, and spread the ball the way he did to like nine receivers. I thought Lamar was as good as he could ever be in the at playing the quarterback position. If you're going to show me that Lamar Jackson week in and week out, then the Ravens, one of the scariest teams in the AFC. No question. And Mo, one more thing I want to touch about in the post game uh, comments from last night's game, 
head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Sirianni, he did touch on the tush push. Uh, it was used multiple times throughout the game. Um, the Sunday night football crew, you know, really did their best to break down the inner workings of the tush push. And in the post game comments last night, Nick Sirianni basically addressed the, the play directly in relation to the NFL and the league and basically asked the league not to ban it. Um, basically came out last night and said that there is no need to question whether or not the uh, the play should be allowed in the league, and he hopes that the league will just let the play stand. And Mo, unfortunately for Nick Sirianni and the Eagles, the NFL is a copycat league. And as great as the Eagles are at the play, the same cannot be said for the other 31 teams in the NFL many of which are trying to do the same thing and many of which are resulting in players being injured on both sides of the ball. Uh, We saw a Raiders player injured this weekend on the defensive side of the tush push play. And while I, if you are an Eagles fan, if you are Nick Sirianni, I 100% understand your point. You are phenomenal at this. It is almost a guaranteed one to two. At one point last night, they got three yards off of this play. Um, it, it's almost guaranteed money every single time. I get why you don't want it to go anywhere. You're, you, you almost bat a thousand with it. And nobody has shown they can stop it consistently. It's not worked a couple of times for them. But it's not because someone actually schemed up a way to stop it. It just wasn't executed properly on your side the couple of times that it didn't work. Oh, they're the best by far. By far. So I understand why the Eagles have no interest in this play being removed. But, Mo, I would have to imagine it's going to be banned in the NFL this offseason for safety purposes. And I agree. I 100% agree if the NFL takes that stance because, in my opinion, there shouldn't be – a play like, and I know that Jalen Hurts hasn't gotten hurt as a result of it. But if you ask me, you're, you're playing with fire, right? You are literally, you're literally saying, we're going to take our starting quarterback. And we are going to multiple times a game in these short run situations. We want him just to be basically bent in half opposite directions. He's going to launch forward and push forward. We're going to have, and he's going to get pushed back by the defense. We're going to have our players run into his back and slam him forward. And we're just going to create these rugby type situations that are begging for someone to get hurt. And you you can say I'm being hyperbolic and you can say that I'm being ridiculous, but I'm not. People are getting hurt. There have already been eight injuries in the NFL this season, not in Philly. Again, Philly does this really well. This is not a Philadelphia Eagles situation. Also, If it wasn't a copycat league, this wouldn't be happening. If this was just something that Philly was doing and no other team was really doing, it wouldn't be an issue. But the issue, Mo, is is that Philly's doing it really, really well. And other teams are trying to do it. And they're not doing it really, really well. And people are getting hurt as a result of it. And I think that's why the NFL is going to ban it. And if you're an Eagles fan, Mo, you almost have a right to feel like it's not fair. Because you, you figure it, you figured out something great 
you figure out something that you're running really, really well, you're not doing anything wrong. You're essentially going to get punished because other teams are trying to copy you and they're not as good as you and people are getting hurt as a result. So if, if you're the Eagles, I understand why you might be upset by this. Uh, but Mo, you tell me, you know, isn't the NFL in a tough situation here? If players are getting hurt, and I, I know the numbers guys are crunching on them up and they're finding out the amount of injuries during these different plays, then yes, like you said, the league is going to, they're going to intervene. They're going to change the rules on that. And I, I think you're going to still do short yardage, but they're going to have to be a variation. There won't be the tush push, right? Um, I don't, I'm not sure they're going to ban it, but I'm, I am with you. Knowing how the league does things, it wouldn't shock me if they banned it. And they'll make a rule to where you have to have so many guys in the backfield, right? Um, to where it's they're gonna have to alter it some way or another because there will always be short yardage plays. It, it does seem like the Eagles are being unfairly penalized because they're by far the best team in football at doing this specific move, this specific play. But if guys are literally getting hurt and it does impact teams in the bigger picture yeah the, the, it's no question the league is going to take a look at that and go just for safety purposes we've got to alter this we've got to change this in the comments gene said they ban it we will spread five and do the same thing with the quarterback it's not a safety issue we haven't had one player hurt on it like i just said gene you're right it's not a safety issue for the eagles this is not an eagles issue this is a other 31 team issue as the other 31 teams try to reproduce what the Eagles are doing, and as a result, people are getting hurt because of it. The Eagles, like I said, Eagles did nothing wrong. Eagles are not getting their players hurt. Eagles have found a way to do this effectively, like 99% of the time, and they found a way to do it safely. Uh, Kyle said it is, isn't essentially like a running back getting stood up and the player is pushing the pile, kind of. That's exactly what it is to me. That's exactly what it is. It's it, it, it's. And it's not taking nothing away from the Eagles, by the way. Like I said, no. they, they're the best at it. And, yes, Jalen Hurts has freakishly powerful legs, so he's probably doing it better than any other quarterback. But um, Kyle makes a great point. Sure, if a guy gets stood up or stopped and you've got guys pushing him going forward, it it, it is it is the tush push, right? There's a reason why they call it that. You're getting momentum from the guys behind you as well. And my only, my only counter-argument to that is that when, it, when a running back hits the line, Sure, we see that happen all the time, but it's not designed to happen that way. It's not a design situation where you know for a fact that your quarterback's going to be bent both ways and you're going to have that kind of interaction. The tush-push play is designed for that. That's going to happen every single time. So I think that's where the rub is when it comes to this. Obviously, we see plays all the time where a receiver gets stopped and like you know, 20 guys meet in the middle. <laughs> And it's just one big mob and one's pushing one way and one's pushing the other way. So I, I completely understand that comparison. But those plays aren't designed to happen that way, whereas the tush push is. And my other point of view here would be that usually when you see that play at the running back, when Kyle even said it, when the running back gets stood up, now it's just you know two groups of people just pushing standing up bodies at that point. Sure, people can get hurt in those things, but it literally looks like, you know, 12 guys all standing together in a huddle and one's pushing this way, one's pushing that way. And people are just side shuffling to the left or the right, depending on where their momentum is. If you look at the mechanics of the tush push, 
you literally have your quarterback lunging behind huge bodies. And then you have the people getting bent back and, and crushed and all that. So that's where I say it differs slightly. But again, if you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I, I feel you. You did nothing wrong here. You are simply being potentially punished by the success of one, your play, and by two, the uh, failure of other teams within the NFL to accomplish it. And and look, um, I'm not saying, and I know you're not saying for sure that they're going to Correct. ban it or get rid Correct. of it. I'm sure the competition committee will take a look at it, though. They certainly will. 100%, 100%. Uh, Gene said in the chat, my other point of view is the Dolphins got abused by it. Uh, Gene, you can bring up that point. You have every right to bring up any point you would like, sir. But for me, that has nothing to do with it. Uh, I don't care if they use the tush push against Miami. My point of view is stop it. If you know what they're going to do, stop it. I view that as same way that I would view the quarterback sneak with Tom Brady. When it was fourth and inches or fourth and one, and Tom Brady took the ball close under center, you knew what was coming. It was going to be a quarterback sneak. And it wasn't someone shoving Tom Brady from behind 99% of the time the way the tush push is. It was just Tom Brady getting lower. And you knew it was coming, and 99% of the time you couldn't stop it. Um, that doesn't make me say that Tom Brady's quarterback sneak should be banned just because it was successful 99% of the time. Um, again, the same you know, way you know that when Patrick Mahomes drops back, he's throwing it to Kelsey. Correct. Correct. Stop, stop, stop it. Stop it. Stop just it. stop it. And that, that's where I fall. I mean, they did use it, I think, three three series in a row or three uh, uh, third downs in a row against Miami. And each time I had the same stance. Someone stop it. And Miami was funny last night. There, there was one time they used it. And I think our safety, like, flipped over the top of the pile. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, what the hell are you going to accomplish doing that? The tush push literally has players going low. And your response is to flip over the freaking pile. You know what? He was thinking outside the box, Chris. Right. Trying something different. Come on. Maybe he thought he could distract them. He thought something for sure. All right, Mel, let's take a quick break here on the morning show. When we get back on the other side, we are going to set the stage as to where we are for the Major League Baseball playoffs right now. And then we are going to get into some other NFL news right here on Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network with Chris and Mo. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Hey, guys, it's Pavel the Cat. And Evan Rev Runners. And we are two guys in Hockey Talk. We are here every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to talk all things hockey. What are we talking about, Evan? We talk KHL, AHL, ETHL, every HL hockey league you can think about, prospects, juniors, even the professional women's hockey league. Yeah, we love it. And we have a website, Two Guys in Hockey Talk. So give us a follow. we got articles on all things related to hockey. And we're writing all throughout the season. So make sure you're tuning in. We're also on X or Twitter. Uh, you can find me at hockey underscore two. And you can follow me at Revan M. Or you can also go to twoguysandhockeytalk.com to follow everything. We love hearing from you guys. So make sure you tune in, comment, like. Give us a follow on our Facebook and YouTube page. We love hearing from you guys. And it's a blast talking all things hockey. Right, Evan? Hey, man, it is. So as we say every show, in the meantime and in between time. Keep your sticks on the ice. Cheers. Cheers. 
Welcome back. Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show with Chris and Mo here on Sports Empire Network and Northeast Streaming Sports this morning on Roku. If you haven't checked out the hockey guys, make sure you do that. A lot of great content over there. Um, it's definitely worth your time and definitely worth checking out. Uh, Mo, unfortunately, JG will not be on the show with us this morning, but we are it's still a downer. Gonna- I know it is a downer, but we're going to quickly touch on some Major League Baseball stuff to set everybody up for what is happening tonight. Uh, Tonight is game six with the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. It's going to be a tough challenge for the Diamondbacks to push it to a game seven. Uh, The Phillies have Nola on the mound tonight, 3-0, ERA under one here. Uh, Yeah, it's it's not. (laughs) And I know... I know Philly fans are kind of jaded when it comes to Nola. And, you know, they say things like don't let him see the lineup three times and all this stuff. The man's pitched lights out so far in the playoffs. Uh, This is definitely the guy you want on the mound in a game clinching situation, which is what tonight is for the Phillies. Um, Arizona better get to him early. Otherwise, it's going to be a long night and it could be Philly wrapping things up and punching their ticket to the World Series. Then over on the AL side, we have a Game 7, Mo. Who doesn't love a Game 7 after going up 2-0 and kind of letting things slip away and falling down by a game? The Rangers battle back to force the Game 7 tonight. Uh, Scherzer is on the mound for the Rangers. (laughs) 0-1 with his 11.25 ERA in the playoffs. Hopefully, he can have a classic Scherzer game tonight if he does it could result in the rangers punching their way into the world series if not the astros are going back mo isn't that all the astros do they just find the way to get to the world world i thought this year was not that that for sure the rangers had their number and here we are in a game seven if if i were going to take a guess game seven with everything on the line i would say the astros will find a way to win Unfortunately, and as a Yankee fan, they're, they're, the only team I hate more than the Red Sox is probably <laughs> it's probably the Astros. Uh, NFL news. Uh, <laughs> nothing in the NFL happens quietly, Mo. But apparently, quietly, the uh, New England Patriots have not only re-signed Bill Belichick to a contract extension, they have apparently re-signed him to a lucrative contract extension uh, resulting in him being the Patriots head coach for not only the time going forward, but the foreseeable future. Uh, we don't really know the terms of what that contract extension was, but from the rumors and the reports coming out, Bill Belichick is the Patriots coach, and it's going to be that way for the time being. Uh, Mo, what are your thoughts on, one, the deal getting done, and two, it basically being a secret deal? <laughs> The guilt, the the deal getting done surprises me a little bit. Um, when you look at where they've been the last three seasons, this isn't to to in any way um, bring down the greatness of Bill Belichick as a coach, but time waits waits for no man, and at some point your run is over. And 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 look to to the Patriots' credit and Robert Kraft's credit, they believe in him going forward to be their head coach. And, and look. We're talking about one of the greatest coaches of all time. So can he find a way to get this team back on the right track? No question. What my hesitation would be is 
you're you're giving him a lucrative deal or is he coming back as the general manager and the head coach or just a head coach because I, I think you definitely need another general manager you need a better evaluator of talent um and and at this point bill belichick's not that guy but i don't doubt that he can still be a great coach so I, i'm just wondering is it going to be he's still going to be wearing dual hats head coach general manager because that's going to be interesting going forward for the, the Patriots. Not to mention, like Nick Saban, he is getting up there in age. So I'm, I'm wondering, is there a succession plan? Do you bring in a guy to be an assistant, but you're really bringing him in to be the next guy for three or four years down the road? File it away in the, okay, this just makes sense. Surprise, the NFL had to make a rule about it category. Uh, the NFL came out this weekend, Mo, and said, we are not going to allow any more pregame fights. Uh, if you want to talk crap during the pregame, you talk crap. But if it turns into a scuffle, there are going to be punishments that are levied. It could be fines. It could be suspensions for that particular game. Mo, what? it amazes me that we are even at this point. Like, there are not a lot of NFL games in a season. You guys are making a lot of money out there. Your value to the game for some of these people who are getting into these scuffles is very, very high. I understand it. It is a grown man sport. The emotions are running high. Just knock off the crap, though. The NFL should not have to have to come tell grown men, listen, Mo, we're not going to do the fighting pregame anymore. All right. I know you all like it. I know you like getting into your little pregame scuffles. It's the juices flowing. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. On that, come on. I didn't know that was a thing. I really didn't. I mean, it happens from time to time, but like you said, that's an easy way to get injured before the game even starts. Right, and that makes no sense at all. Uh, look, it's it's not nearly as entertaining as when I see baseball players get into a scuffle. I don't know why I enjoy baseball scuffles. I, it's a weirdness in me, but they. They're interesting. They, they just get involved. And speaking, I don't want to rewind too much, but I thought the scuffle thing, those Astros, they're brilliant. <laughs> they're so smart. They know they know how to get into your head. Hey, you're a little bit better than us. You know what we'll do? We'll get in your head a little. I'm just saying, I don't want to regress back to baseball, but I'm just saying. My favorite part of the I, – I, I just want to, like, you know, I want to see the brain bubbles during the, the bullpen when a fight happens on the field. And the bullpen guys are like, oh, all right, let's run out. <laughs> right. You, you, you know, you know, and I know there's a bunch of pitchers sitting there like, I guess we got to go out there. <laughs> but not just go out there. Full you on sprint. sprint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't just kind of try it out there. You got to be in a dead sprint like Usain Bolt. Yeah. And then yeah. you get there and it's, it's over. It's always over by the time the bullpen gets there. <laughs> Which there's a sigh of relief. Right. <laughs> they don't want that. Um, uh, let's take a minute here and go through the rest of the action from week seven in the NFL. And we're gonna start with the Pittsburgh Steelers who moved to four and two after knocking off the LA Rams. I took the Rams in this game. Um so did I. The Steelers, I mean, for a four and two team, they are just up and down and up and down. And it was it was an up performance. Deontay Johnson played well. Uh, if you're the Rams, ah, geez, uh, can you get a kicker that can kick? Uh, 
because that's that's seven points right there off the board. Yeah. Two field goals and an extra point. And I'm not talking about, you know, 58, 59 yard field goals. They were both, I think one was 51, one was 52. Uh, the extra point. I mean, these are just points you got to have. And again, you know, we only talk about kickers, Mo, when, when they don't make kicks. Oh, so that's why, that's why we're talking about them. Um, but yeah, like an, another performance by the Steelers where you're just kind of like, what what are they? Because I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers lose by two touchdowns next week at this point. They're they're four and two, but when you watch them, they look like they should be two and four. They've been outgained by every opponent in every game. Like that, they're you don't know how they're doing it. And then I, I heard someone say last night on a broadcast, they're Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, their way into wins. And maybe that's what it is. He is a terrific coach, a great motivator because. They've got to have one of the worst, if not the worst, offense in all of football. I, I don't know how they get – they have a very good defense, terrible offense, and they find a way. They're, the fact that they're 4-2 and two with what they can't do offensively is impressive. It is. It really is. Now, we can say what, we don't know what they are. They're better than what they should be record-wise. Now, if you're asking me going forward, do I still think the Steelers are a – are a AFC championship contender. They are not. They might very well find a way to make the playoffs, but they're not a championship contender. Not with that offense. No way. The Seattle Seahawks knock off the Arizona Cardinals. Seattle moves to four and two. The Cardinals drop to one and six. Seattle didn't want to win this game, though. They turned the ball over three times. The Cardinals scored three points off of those three turnovers. Uh, this was not a pretty game if you were the Seattle Seahawks. This was not a, hey, let's go play a bad team and kind of get ourselves back on track and feel good about ourselves coming out of the game. This was a game that was a lot harder than it should have been. And although Seattle is 4-2, and two, another one of those 4-2 and two teams that have a good record, you look at Seattle, Mo, and you're kind of like, man, up and down through six games. What are they right now? And I don't know what their identity is because they don't run the ball consistently. Gino doesn't look like Pro Bowl Gino from last season. I mean, he's turning the ball over. And when he's not turning the ball over, he's pitching sliders into the ground. It just isn't the same offense. They they just lack consistency. I don't know what their identity is offensively. And for them to be 4-2, again, much like the Steelers, if, if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, you have to be happy for the record. But you're still got to be wondering going forward, what is our identity? What do you hang your hat on? Do you run the football well? Are you great defensively? They don't run the football consistently, and their defense is kind of up and down. So I, I don't know what they are. They're four and two, and that's the bottom line. They're, they're, they're four and two. They're better to me record-wise than they should be. And they're the one team that I think in our division that's going to try to give the Niners some trouble. I don't think matching up with them. Honestly, and I'm not being a Niners fan, I don't see where they can beat the Niners. There is no roller coaster outside of the Miami game that I rode more frustrating yesterday than the roller coaster that was Jordan Love. About a two-thirds of the way through that Packers game, I was done. I, I, I looked to my wife and said, Jordan Love is garbage. I'm officially done with him. I am writing him off. He is not an NFL quarterback. I'm over it. Then they came back. And I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, I got, I got a little angry. Slow start to the offense. 
Jordan Love threw a couple of touchdown passes. Maybe I overreact. No, I didn't overreact, Mo. You don't lose to the Denver Broncos. You don't. If you are a good offense, you do not lose to the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos won the only way the Denver Broncos can win. They scored 19 points. That's about what they're good for a game. And their defense held the other team to less than 19. And that's what happened to Jordan Love. I'm, I know we're only six games in, Mo. He looked good his first two games. He has gotten worse every single week after that. And he played, he had two good drives in this entire game. And everything outside of those two, two good drives, he looked lost on offense. I am over the Jordan Love experiment. I do not think he is the future quarterback in Green Bay. I think he is average at best, and that might even be saying too much. I think for the Packers to struggle as much as they do offensively, it's kind of surprising when you look at they actually have weapons in the backfield. They've got weapons on the outside, Watson and company. They've got some good football players. So where is the struggle really at? It's QB1. Um, it's QB1 and his inconsistency. He looks like he's just in, in regression mode. He's holding the ball too long. Uh, maybe he's going through his reads too slow. There's there's just a lot of indecisiveness when you watch Jordan Love play. Those two drives that you said, those touchdown drives, yeah, they got people excited. And then the rest of the game happened, and you lost to the Broncos. Like you said, that defense, you're supposed to drop 30 on them. Everybody else does. And you found a way to make that defense look very competent and very good. And on the Broncos side of the football, again, playing the same offense, the same style, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. Russell Wilson, I think he was like 21 for 28, which isn't bad. But when you don't even throw for 200 yards, you're not even throwing intermediate routes. It's six yards. It's four yards. Sean Payton is coaching this man not to lose. That's the and, Rust special. Complete yeah. 2022 passes, throw for a buck 86. Yeah. He threw for a buck 94 yesterday. Yeah. But they're 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 not he's literally coaching him not to lose and when to me if you're coaching a quarterback like that not to lose, that's not your quarterback. That's not your guy. And I know he's got a lot of guaranteed money on his contract. I there's no way barring some incredible run that that could happen this season. There's no way Russell Wilson will be the Denver Broncos quarterback next year. Mo, have we hit the point in the season where we can we can start honestly saying to ourselves, is it time to fire Staley with the Chargers? I understand that the Chiefs are a good team, but you have to take everything that happens in the NFL in context of the moment. Four minutes to play in the second quarter yesterday. This is gonna be this is gonna be a shootout. It's 17-17. Both offenses look good, even though Kansas City is just throwing the ball to Travis Kelsey. But it is what it is. When it works, it works. Right. And right. if they're not gonna stop it, then in you know, <laughs> it's on you. But it's 17-17. The Chargers had a, a touchdown drive of six plays, a touchdown drive of five plays. Their offense looks absolutely electric. They don't score again, Mo. They don't score again. It, they lose 31-17. They didn't score in the final minutes of the first half, and they didn't score anything in the second half. And there comes a point where now, now we're seeing offensive issues. 
in with the Chargers. Before, the running joke was, oh, Staley can't figure out the defense. He's a defensive-minded coach who can't figure out the defense. All that money on defense, and they can't figure out their defense. You're holding back Justin Herbert. And we had the Dallas game last week where we're like, this is this is the revenge game, right? We're going to see things on offense from Herbert and the Chargers that we haven't really seen this season because he's going right. to pull things out of his back pocket, right? This, this is the game he wants to win. And then we saw a subpar performance against a good defense in Dallas. And we were like, okay, that was disappointing, but let's move on. Now they play the Chiefs, and we're like, oh, this is going to be a shootout. The Chiefs defense, they're they're good up front, but they're nothing to write home about. They're not going to stop, you know, a top 10 potential offense in the NFL. They might slow them down a little bit, but, you know, the Chargers are going to get theirs. The Chiefs will probably score more, but the Chargers are going to get theirs. They didn't really get theirs. They got theirs for a, a little bit in the first half, and then they didn't get theirs again. So, well, what are you seeing with the Chargers? Because now I see it happening on both sides of the ball, and it, it doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. And they're sitting at two and four. So now you have to look at the Chargers. Before you looked at the Chargers, and you were like, the Chiefs aren't going to win the division. The Chargers will be a wild card team. Sure. If their defense can play decent in the playoffs they might win a playoff game or two with that offense but they're probably not a championship team because their defense is a mess now you look at it and you're like are they a playoff team because it's not trending in that direction currently no right now i don't even think they're a fringe playoff team right now not not with the way it's trending like you said there were always some struggles offensively and you didn't understand it because of the talent they had then you thought well look at the defense the defense doesn't lack for talent and they still don't have an identity on that side of the ball. Who are your leaders on defense, your consistent playmakers? I'm looking at the defensive coordinator. What kind of game are you calling? How are you setting up your best players for success? And it's not happening. That game, Here's the crazy thing. The defense actually played really well in the second half. Like Patrick Mahomes lit them up for over 300 yards in the first half, and he only threw for 100 in the second half. Now, granted, that could have been Andy Reid calling off the dogs and just slowing things down and just going, let's just run clock and get out of here, which I thought to a degree they did. But the offense, the offense is where you should be able to count on what, what San Diego does, right? The Chargers should always be able to put up points with that talent, with that particular quarterback, with that running back. And to be honest, the play calling was dull, but – Justin Herbert missed a lot of wide open guys. Like you said, the Kansas City defense was solid, but there were a lot of touchdowns and a lot of first downs left on the field because Justin Herbert was just off. He was just missing guys that were wide open. And I know that we constantly bring up who are the elite quarterbacks. He's probably an elite quarterback talent, and he's somebody that a lot of teams would love to have in their backfield. I don't think he's consistently proven he's that guy. I don't know if he's that guy. I'm not blaming him in any way for their shortcomings. I'm with you 100%. They need a head coach whose voice resonates in that locker room. And, and a head coach who can say, I'm a defensive-minded coach or I'm an offensive-minded coach, and this is what we're going to be, and you show it on the field. Brandon Staley came to San Diego with a reputation, and he hasn't lived up to it. He really hasn't. And to me... If they don't make the playoffs, I, I, I'm sure they're not going to fire him within the season. No, let me say that. Let me rewind that. I don't think they will. 
But should they keep descending and going the other way and they don't make the playoffs, he will get fired. I don't think he's the right coach for that franchise. I don't think he's the right coach for that team. And I, I don't know when the GM and the owner get together and realize that. They've had enough sample size to see what he is as a leader. He's not a leader of men, period. Mo, as a Dolphin fan, I am a little, I have a little more of an intimate relationship with this whole Justin Herbert thing because that's all we heard the first couple of uh, <clears throat> years after Herbert came into the league. Miami should have picked Herbert. Look at what Herbert's doing. Look at the numbers he's putting up. Look at the records he's breaking as a rookie. And as I defended Tua, and as I sat there, the one thing I kind of held on to was, you know, I, I hear you. He's doing all these things. He 100% is. But look at the games he's in. He's in shootouts. He's in games where, you know, his team's given up 30-plus points, and they're not playing, you know, top five defenses. So they're, he, he's putting up numbers in shootouts, but they're not necessarily winning those games. And, you know, that, that argument falls on deaf ears as he continues to put up numbers and he continues to put up numbers. And now you look at him this season and they go and they get him what's considered a world-class offensive coordinator in the NFL. Kellen Moore is considered one of the best OCs that the NFL has right now, a uh, potential candidate to be a head coach somewhere next season. And that's on top of the numbers he was already putting up. And now he's expected to take the next step. And that next step, like you said, Mo, is consistency, right? And I would argue today he is wildly more inconsistent than Josh Allen. And what's Josh Allen's biggest issue? Consistency. I think today, where we are right now, I would take Josh Allen over Justin Herbert because I think Josh Allen is more consistent than Justin Herbert, which is saying a lot, Mo, because Allen will have two or three moments a game where I'm like, what the heck is he doing? Herbert has like seven or eight of those moments a game. And he doesn't necessarily have all the other intangibles that Josh does, or at least not at the level that Josh has them. Yeah. So I would almost argue that Josh is a more hyped up version of Herbert because he is a little bigger. He is a little stronger. Yes, Herbert has an arm. Yes, Herbert can move around. But Allen can do all those things plus five. And he isn't as inconsistent than as as inconsistent as Herbert is. And like I said, Mo, in, in the NFL, in the NFL, you got to hit the layups. And you got to hit the layups consistently. And Herbert isn't hitting the layups right now. So I don't care about his overall numbers. And I don't care about the records that he has broken. Because right now, he is leading a 2-4 and four team. And the offense is starting to become an issue just as much as the defense is becoming an issue. And I will say this, Mo. When it's 17-17... Your, your defense is holding on enough, right? Your defense is doing enough in that moment. Right. It's not Especially like it was. what they've done all year. Right. Correct. It wasn't 28-17. It wasn't 31-17. Your defense is doing enough. They they turned the, they got the, the interception in the first half, right? Your defense was doing enough to keep the offense in the game, and the offense just disappeared. So at some point, and if it, if it continues this way, the, it's it's going to slide. It's going to slide from what's happening with Staley in the defense to what's happening with Herbert and the offense. And I'm not saying and, Herbert's a bad quarterback. Mo, he's no, not. But, you're but we're going to ask. Point. 
you're bringing up a great point because look at the game yesterday. One of the reasons why Kansas City was able to control the game was they possessed the football longer. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why they possessed the football longer was Herbert and the offense were going they, – they were going three and out more times than they needed to. Your defense, even though it's not a great defense, eventually they're wearing down. Look, Mahomes was already giving them the business. So when they get a three and out, when they get a stop, it'd be nice if you can drive the football, even if you don't score. Get two or three first downs, right? right? Just give them a break. And I think there's an inconsistency in their offense. You've got a top – what is Eckler? Top five running back, maybe? Top five, top six running back? Right. Well, use him. Not just in a screen game, but hand the football off. Sometimes you run the football to just change up what the defense does, right? You run the football sometimes to just alleviate the pass rush. You run the football to give your to give your, your quarterback and, and the other guys a break sometimes just to make the defense honest. And I, I didn't understand at times – their willingness to just give up on their run game. Like you said, Kansas City got a pretty good defense, but they're not dominating. They're not an overpowering defense. And you've got a Pro Bowl running back, Pro Bowl receivers, and a Pro Bowl quarterback. You've got to be better than that offensively. And I do think, I don't think it's on Kellen Moore. I think it's the execution, and that starts with Justin Herbert. Mo, tonight we got Monday Night Football. It's the your, your San Francisco 49ers and the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think Minnesota has a chance here. Uh, you know, I think losing is going to be a shootout. <laughs> yeah. Losing their best player in Justin Jefferson. It, it hurts. Uh, the Niners are going to bounce back. They, they had a tough loss last week. Um, I think they're going to look to kind of take control of this game early. It may not be a blowout. It may be one of those games where it's a, you know, a seven to nine point win, but I think it's going to be one of those games where you look at the score and you're like, Oh, that was kind of close. But then you're like, but it never felt that close. It never really felt like the right. Vikings were in this game to win this game. It just felt like it was closer than it should be. I'm taking the Niners tonight. I'm assuming you're going there too. I'm taking the Niners. I think that you're you're correct in the kind of game that will unfold. On paper, they should just be able to run over the Vikings. But I think that this is going to be one of those games where the Vikings show a lot more resistance. And so it'll be competitive. I think the Niners will pull away late. And um, like I said, I, I expect them to win the football game. I think that Josh Purdy and company will bounce back. Even if they don't have all their weapons, I think they have enough to win this football game. Shout out to everyone who was in the chat this morning. Kyle was in there. Gene was in there. Coach was in there. Key was in there. Uh, we appreciate seeing all of you in the chat here on the morning show. Mo, closes out, sir. Hey, thanks for everybody for checking us out. Thanks for watching the show. Smash that like button. Share this. You can watch it later. Your friends can watch it later. Check out all the great content that we bring to you on Sports Empire Network. Make sure you check out the Empire. We'll be back here same time, same place tomorrow morning uh, with the fallout from Monday Night Football. Make sure you're here with us, Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network with Chris and Mo, and we will see you here tomorrow. I mean, you can see right now without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, guess it is.
I love that guy. I don't care. I, 